uh, we are going to be continuing this morning in our Serve One Another series, uh, in our uh, One Another series, and we're going to be looking at the whole topic of serve one another. What does it mean to actually serve and to look out for, do acts of support and service to the people that God has put into all of our lives? Um, And this is a theme that is kind of found in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. So there are many verses throughout the whole Bible which talk about serving one another. What are the things that we can do for one another to make life on this earth an easier journey or a journey which in many ways reflects the love that Jesus has for each one of us. And in a lot of ways, this kind of jars quite a bit with the lifestyle that many of us find ourselves living nowadays. Uh, We have initiatives like the Big Lunch that have been put in place because we live in communities which often aren't in community anymore. You know, even like 100 years ago, if you lived in a little village, you probably would have known the name of everybody in the village. But so often nowadays, particularly in cities, we can live very isolated lives where we don't know the people around us where we're so busy that actually we're so focused on getting our stuff done, we forget about actually helping and supporting those around us. And it's a real privilege to be part of this church body where I think actually it is so beautifully reflected, that sense of serving one another. That when we kind of like, uh, or sometimes at uh, Riverside House, we'll go through the lists of, right, you know, who's on a rotor at, at church and who can be supporting the ministries. And you kind of look at the Bourneville um, community, and actually it's a beautiful community which does serve one another, does support one another, does help one another in so many different ways. But that isn't often reflected in the lives that we do lead. A report was uh, written um, back in the 1960s that was released by Harvard University uh, a few years ago, uh, where a kind of report was written back in the 1860s that a prediction was made that by 150 years in the future, all of us would only have to do three paid hours worth of work a day, or three hours worth of housework, family life a day, because actually so many time-saving devices would have been uh, discovered and put in place that we wouldn't need to spend lots of time being busy because there would be so many other things that would be busy for us and actually we can see as kind of uh, the years have gone on and as we're almost at that point 150 years into the future that the reverse has happened that all these time-consuming devices that have been put in place have actually meant that we can do much more because I can be cooking the tea whilst checking my emails whilst on the phone whilst listening to music whilst telling some device to put the upstairs lights on So all the time we're trying to multitask and we're trying to do so many different things that it ends up that we wear busyness almost as a kind of badge of honour. How busy are we? How much stuff are we doing? Which can often mean that the stuff then that we end up doing for other people becomes a burden on us and becomes something that actually is a sacrifice that we don't always want to be doing because we ourselves are so busy. We uh, met up recently with some friends who are location pastors for quite a big church up in Lincoln. And they were saying to us that more people than ever are attending their church, but less people than ever are serving within their church. And again, it was a beautiful thing to be able to say, well, you know, we don't often see that reflected in our own congregation because we are a congregation who give out so much and serve. And we want to honour everybody who does that because being a part of a church that doesn't meet in its own building comes with a lot of extra areas of service that we need to do. And yet there are so many people here who do them, who make them happen. And that is a privilege to be part of that community. But it isn't always the kind of done thing in society. 
So what I wanted to look at this morning was four principles of serving that we can find in the Bible, four things that God says when he talks about serving, when throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament it talks about serving one another, the principles behind why this is a lifestyle that actually reflects Jesus and impacts the society in which we find ourselves. Now, many of you might be familiar with the story that um, Judy read uh, earlier uh, from the story of Mary and Martha. And if you're anything like me, when you read that story, it is so easy to be really annoyed with Mary. Because had that been me, had people been coming to my house, I know my own personality would be that I would be tidying and erotically trying to make the house look nice. I'm quite a surface level tidier. If you look in my wardrobes, under my bed or in my cupboards, I am a nightmare. But the surface level of my house always looks quite tidy because I have a bit of a pride attached to that. I like a nice environment. I'm quite affected by the environment around me. I don't care what the cupboards look like. John does care what the cupboards look like. Um, And there's Martha serving away, getting things ready, getting the house ready. And there's her sister Mary sat at the feet of Jesus. And if we're probably really honest with ourselves, all of us have that little bit in us which would have said, yeah, I want to be sat there, but there's all this stuff to do. But there's that beautiful, very gentle rebuke that Jesus gives. And he says, Martha, this isn't the right thing that you're doing. Because actually for Martha and in the culture which she lived, there was a real shame and honour attached to hospitality. Having people into your house almost was a badge of honour to your whole family. That you had to serve, you had to put on the right preparations. The food had to be laid in a certain way. That there would be an expectation of what people would expect when they came along to your house. So for Martha, in that moment as she was serving, actually her service was out of, as Jesus says to her, in the gentle rebuke that he gives. It was upset. It was worried. It was fear of what everybody else around her would think of her. That it talks about Martha was distracted by things. She was distracted by the people coming into her house and this level of expectation and honour which she wanted to uphold. And in that moment, Jesus says, do you know what? Just come and be. Sit at my feet. And out of that, your act of service can come. You know, Harry reminded us last week of Judy's talk a number of weeks ago about love one another. That actually, if the more we understand the love that Jesus has for us, out of that, all of these one another's will come. And I just wanted to kind of uh, fast forward a little bit uh, further on into the book of John, where we again meet Mary and Martha. By this point, Martha's relationship with Jesus has gone on quite a journey. So we've seen her in this house, distracted, trying to get everything right, running around, trying to get stuff sorted, missing the moment of just sitting at the feet of Jesus, of hearing what it is that he wants to say to her, of really grasping the love that he has for her. So we've gone from this point on where actually her brother has died. Her brother Lazarus has died. Jesus comes, he hears about her brother dying, and he weeps. He weeps with the family and then he goes and does the ultimate miracle of raising uh, Lazarus from the dead and bringing him back to life. For Martha in that moment, what a journey her relationship with Jesus must have gone on. From that distraction of getting everything ready, having him in her house, to seeing him as the son of God, weeping with her but then raising her brother back from the dead so they could have more years with him as a family. How in that moment could her relationship with him not have grown so much to see firsthand the power of Jesus at work in her own family life? And so we go on to uh, the book of John and uh, chapter 12. 
And it's a quite a well-known story in the Bible where Jesus is at the house of Lazarus there having a meal together. And the focus of this story that often gets looked at is the moment where Mary, Martha's sister, takes some very expensive perfume and she pours it over the feet of Jesus. And the question is given, why are you doing that? That could have been uh, given so much money if you'd um, given that to the poor. But the little verse that often gets forgotten about is in, chapter, is in verse 2 where it says Jesus has come, he's having a meal with Lazarus, and then it says, here a dinner was given in Jesus' honour. Martha served, or Jesus was among those reclining at the table with him. Martha served. There's no gentle rebuke from Jesus at this point. There's no Martha, stop serving, just come and sit at my feet. Because actually I believe in that moment, because of the journey that she has gone on in her relationship with Jesus, suddenly her service is completely different. Her service isn't coming out of distractions of what other people think of her. It's not coming out of that sense of we've got to do this, otherwise there's going to be a shame attached to our family. We've got to be the best. We've got to put on the best dinner. Our house has got to look the best. Actually, she has seen Jesus firsthand do the miraculous in her life. And so now in this act of service, it's no longer an act of service for the world around her and the expectations of other people. It's an act of service for Jesus. Because as... um, Val shared so beautifully earlier in the worship with the word that she gave. When we know who we're serving, when we know the one who we are serving for, actually serving doesn't then come out of distraction. It doesn't come out of resentment. It doesn't come out of, oh, so annoying, I've got to do this this morning. It comes out of an act of love for Jesus. I saw a program recently um, where they were looking at um, employers and employer satisfaction in hotels. And the employees, the employees who said they most loved their jobs were the employees who knew their boss, who the hotel owner would come down and meet with all the staff, from the cleaners to the caterers uh, to the people who sit on the welcome desk. He would meet with them. And all of them said, because we know who we're working for, who we're getting these emails for, we want to do a good job. Whereas the people who had the levels of dissatisfaction were the ones who said, we've never seen them. It's just a job. It's just for money. Like Judy said in the uh, story that she shared for the children, when we have the bigger picture of why we're doing what we're doing, actually we can make a choice to do it as an act of love for Jesus rather than an act that carries resentment or uh, an attitude of, I don't want to be doing this. Why do I have to do this? Mother Teresa said, love cannot remain by itself. It has no meaning. It It has no meaning. It has to be put into action, and that action is service. Because we know the love that we have for God, that God has for us. We know that we are loved as a son, as a daughter of a God in heaven. Actually, we can use our acts of service to show that love to the people around us. To be that visible representation of an invisible God in this world that we find ourselves living. So serving to know Jesus. We serve because we know Jesus. But also serving to reflect Jesus. In Jesus as the Son of God, we are given the ultimate example of what it is to serve one another. In the book of Matthew, Jesus says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. What an incredible truth that Jesus said. I am the ultimate example of what it is to serve one another. Because I did not come to this earth to serve, I came to this earth to serve each of you because of the love that I have for each of you. 
What an amazing, amazing truth. And for so many, this was one of the reasons why it kind of jarred that Jesus being the promised Messiah, because people were expecting a king, they were expecting a warrior, they were expecting someone who would command armies, who would have a whole entourage of people around them, looking up to them, worshipping them. And actually Jesus came as a baby, who was born in a stable, who was grow, grew up as a carpenter, who then went on to wash his disciples' feet. He wasn't the expected Messiah because he came in such a lowly position with the heart that his life was to serve all of those around him, not to be served. What an amazing, amazing example we have in the Son of God, in our own lives, in our own acts of service to one another. The ultimate sacrifice and the ultimate act of service that Jesus gave was giving up his life for us. That he said, I am going to die on the cross to take the punishment for all the times that you will turn your back on God or do the things that are not asked of you in relation to God. And he said, I don't want you to be punished. I don't want your relationship with God to be broken. So I am going to take that ultimate punishment and give that ultimate act of service to one another in sacrificing himself by dying on the cross. But the beautiful thing that I love in the Bible is that Jesus didn't find that easy. He was fully God as the son of God, but he was also fully human. And we read the two examples where one in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, please, if you can, take this away from me. I don't know if I can do this. And then on the cross, we hear him calling out, why have you left me, God? Why have you forsaken me? The reality that we can read the son of God did an act of service which he didn't find easy. Now, for many, many of us here, we probably will never be called to sacrifice our lives for the sake of one another. Maybe we will, but for many of us, we don't. Although for many around the world today, they are. But all of us will be called to an act of serving one another, which probably in some ways will require sacrifice. People sacrifice their time. They get here at eight o'clock in the morning to set up to do worship. People sacrifice time with friends to maybe go and hang out with somebody who they don't know as well, but just needs a bit of support. People sacrifice their money by giving to the things that most of need. So many different acts of ways that we can serve one another that come with sacrifice. But we don't have a God who says, I don't understand that it's hard, of course it's easy, go on, get out and do it. We have a God who says, I know that sometimes it can be hard that serving one another can be hard. Sometimes we turn up at church and we probably don't want to do the things that we're rooted for. It's tough, it really is. Sometimes John goes off to lead worship and I'm left screaming at three children just to break the belief that you know I'm this perfect mother. Um, because sometimes it's hard. But actually, God says, I know, I know it's tough. But we can serve one another because we know who we serve. And we know that we are so loved, so we can express that love to one another, even in the times when it is a bit tough. So, serving so that we can know Jesus, serving so that we can reflect Jesus, and serving so that we can be released. Just going to read back the passage that Judy read to us from 1 Peter earlier. Where, as Judy read earlier in 1 Peter chapter 4, it says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. In those verses, it doesn't say, If you have received a gift, you should serve others. It says, Each of you should use the gift you have received to serve others. 
Because all of us, in some ways, have received a God-given gift that we can use to serve one another. I've had many people uh, kind of looked, uh, talk about the um, illustration of the body of Christ. So an example that's given in the Bible where it says, you know, we're all like a body. We all have different parts to play. Some of us are the mouth, some of us are the feet, some of us are the hands. And I remember two times on two separate occasions, somebody saying to me, well, I don't have a gift because I just feel like the little toe. And I remember the first time someone said that to me and I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm sure you do. The second time somebody said it to me, I had actually broken my little toe uh, in the gap in between. Now, I don't know if you've ever broken your little toe, but it really, really, really hurts. And it really stops you walking, which is ridiculous because it's a tiny little toe. Ian, you've got a much better example because you've got full out, you know, boot going on. But I couldn't run after. I remember having, I just had Thea and I was trying to run after Isla because she was running off into the road and I couldn't run after her because it hurt so much. Because actually, my little toe in its brokenness stopped me from living my life in that moment to the full of being able to run as quickly as I wanted to run because it really hurt and I had to learn how to use my foot in a different way. So I'd say to you here this morning, if you're sitting here and thinking, I'm not sure I have a gift that I can use to serve one another, actually you do because even the little toe is an important part of the body and it's only when it's not there that you realise how much it's needed. On Friday this week, I thought it would be a really fun adventure to take my three children to the ball ring on a little girly shopping trip. Who knows why? I thought that would be fun. Anyway, we got on the bus. We had a lovely time. It was quite a fun time. Uh, We were getting towards that kind of fractious stage, so I thought, okay, let's go home. And we had the obligatory toilet trip before we got home, so we were upstairs kind of near Selfridges in the ball ring, all went off into the toilet. My independent, feisty three-year-old categorically would not let me into the same cubicle, so she shut the door, we went to the toilet, out we came. Then we realised that Thea had been in the toilet for quite a long time and that it was kind of longer than really was an appropriate time for someone to be in the toilet. They were really thick doors, so it took us quite a long time to realise there was a little voice going, go and open the door, at which point you go, okay, I'll get my 20p out, or jammy the lock and it will all be fine. Got my 20p out, couldn't open the door, fabulous tried and tried and tried. We went and got a um, cleaner lady who was lovely, gorgeous, brummy lady who came in. All right, Bab, I'm going to sort it out. She tried. She broke her little thing trying to open the door. She's on the radio. First security guard comes. Second security guard comes. By this point, we're 15 minutes into the uh, excitement of Thea being trapped in the toilet. Really helpfully, then along comes another lady who stood her children in front of the cubicle and went, and this is why we don't lock the door, children. (laughs) I could have offered to pray for her, but I didn't in the moment. Um, In amongst all of this excitement, we're now coming on for 25 minutes, and they've decided the only way they're going to open the door is by actually taking the door off, so they're trying to locate maintenance who are somewhere. I noticed in all of this rushing around, getting people, people trying to climb over, people trying to get the door jammed, that our middle child, our six-year-old, had done something beautiful and very quietly done it. The door that we were trapped in was here, the wall was here, so there wasn't really even loads of space to get in. And our six-year-old had very simply lay herself on the floor. She didn't care about the dirt, she didn't care about what she was in a toilet, she put her hand through the tiny little gap underneath, and she was just there holding her little sister's hand. And it was that moment where I thought, you know what, actually, often we don't think about the kind of how important all of our gifts are. Because I was so focused on, right, we've got to get this sorted, we've got to get it open, we've got to get the people in, that actually I'd miss the moment of just saying what was really important was that she could just hold somebody's hand. It wasn't even just hearing somebody's voice. 
But in that moment, a six-year-old saw that the gift that was needed was just a touch. That's all it was, because it gave that reassurance of, I'm here for you. You're not on your own, because actually hearing a voice wasn't enough. Just to put it into context, 15 minutes after Thea was released, Isla then headbutted her. So I don't want everyone to think that we are a perfect family. That was a beautiful moment. It didn't continue for very long. But that's why I'd say to each of us this morning, is it might be that we look at some gifts and we look at some acts of service and we say, these are the really important ones. This is the act of service that's really making a difference in this world. This is the act of service that's going to change lives. But actually, for each of us, we can do acts of service that will make a difference in people's lives. I couldn't have lain on the floor and held Thea's hand. The gap was, was just too small. I wouldn't have fitted. But actually, Isla could. And what is it in your own life that you can do that maybe someone else around you can't do? It might even be simply the time that you have. It might simply be that you can... I remember one person actually going around one day after a Sunday in church, and I don't think they probably even realised how important it was what they did, but they just picked up all of the cups and all of the outlooks and all the things that were left on the floor, put them in the bin, and then they left. For people who are on D-Rig, I know for a fact to have said to me the difference it makes when someone picks up the litter that's on the floor to save them as they're stacking the chairs and they're putting the PA away and everything. It's a little act of service to one another, but it goes on to make a really big difference to the people around us. So serving to know Jesus, serving to reflect Jesus, serving to be released in our own gifts that we have been given by God, of which we all do have. And then finally, serving to impact. If you speak, you should do it at those who speak the very words of God. If you serve, you should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. In all things, Jesus should be honoured. That in our acts of serving one another, we can leave a lasting impact that goes beyond anything that we actually know that we have done. I also have a, a memory of when I was at university and I'd just become a Christian and I took somebody to a church service with me and we went to the back. My friend wasn't yet a Christian and we didn't have anywhere to, to sit down. And an old guy came over and he just simply gave us his two chairs. He said, there you are, sit down. And then he walked off again. And I said to my friend the following week, do you want to come back to church? She said, oh yeah, I will. She said, I was a little bit shocked by that old guy. You're supposed to give up your seats for old guys, but he gave our seat up for us, so yeah, I'll come back simple conversation. I don't know what went on with her with her faith journey. We're not in touch anymore. But I thought I'd encourage the old guy when I saw him a few weeks later and I said to him, you know, I just wanted to say thank you for giving us your chairs. I don't know if you remember doing it or not, but actually my friend mentioned it and she did come back to church the following week. And he said to me, you know, I didn't give you my chairs. I just wanted to give you the love of Jesus. And that was something, it was just a smaller story but actually, again, made a lasting impact. Because I'm sure for every chair that he laid out in his church and someone sat on it, which enabled them to come and be part of a church family to hear about Jesus, he would have left a lasting impact because his act of service was for the one he knew loved him so much. And so just as we come to a close this morning and we're going to move into a time of worship, just for each of us in our lives as we go from this place, to think about how are we going to go on to serve one another. <coughs> that the more we know Jesus, the more we understand of the love that we have for Jesus, each act of service that we can give to one another will be an act of service for Jesus. Not born out of resentment, not born out of busyness, not born out of a sense of duty, 
but born out of an awareness that because we are loved, so we can go and love the rest of the world around us. And so as we move into this time of worship, maybe we could just use it as a time to, in our own hearts, respond and think about what are the one another's, those acts of service that we can be doing to the people around us that sometimes might come at a cost, but they will help us to grow closer in our relationship with Jesus.